Yeah, well, welcome everybody to Swarmcast Twitter space. We will be converting this into a podcast later. It'll either be out tonight or tomorrow morning, but obviously Sean and I have a ton to talk about regarding Iowa's 2022 recruiting class. And, you know, I do need to plug this too for the last few hours. Uh, we do have 50% off an annual subscription to HawkeyeInsider.com. We have over 20 pieces of content recapping everything about today's signing day and still more to come and more to come tomorrow. So be sure to check out HawkeyeInsider.com for that. Become a true Hawkeye Insider today. But, Sean, I mean, where do we begin? I mean, what an eventful day. I think it's been by far the most eventful signing day that you or I have had since, you know, since we started covering this beat. Usually Iowa's classes are pre-locked down, so I think we got to dive right into – you know, what's been going on today, uh, a string of commitments for the Hawkeyes, and you talk about finishing off a class strong. Uh, Iowa did that, going from number 45 in the team rankings. I believe they're number 26 in the most recent update. But Iowa back-to-back top 30 classes, I'm pretty sure it's safe to say. Uh, what, what a way for Phil Parker and for this 2022 class to end off the early signing period. Yeah, it was quite the finish, and it was probably one of the more, like you said, Dave, impressive finishes that we've seen as we've been on the beat and, you know, you look back to Aaron Graves being that first commit back in June of 2019, you don't get one, you don't get a commit in this class. I know it's still fairly early and obviously COVID kind of, you know, jacked everything up, but you know, you don't get another commit till February with Caden Crawford. And then you wait another February, 2021. So that's, you know, a year and a half or so. And you wait a couple more months and obviously, you know, things start to open up with COVID and uh, the dead period goes away and, now you're getting recruits back on campus. Jack Dotzler commits. And then there's more of a little bit of a domino effect. Iowa, like I said before, can get these guys on campus, can go out and see guys. And, you know, that that played a difference. And, you know, we look back on that official visit weekend where, you know, Iowa really didn't have as many hits as a lot of people expected. You know, we thought at that point that, you know, Andrew Keller would end up in Iowa. Um, Aiden Lawfrey, the running back who ended up going to Illinois, there were a number of other guys, too, where things just didn't work out in Iowa's favor. And at that point, you're kind of like, oh, man, like when are things going to turn around? And obviously with the defensive backs, you know, Iowa's built on, you know, finding guys late in the class. But, you know, Iowa didn't have a defensive back signee in the 2021 class outside of Cooper Jean. And, you know, yeah. at that point, the Iowa didn't have any defensive backs and things aren't looking great for Xavier Wonk. But at that point, I know you talked about earlier with Tyler Barnes admitting that and all the buzz that we heard about it um, with him and, you know, how it was kind of Notre Dame and Ohio State. And you're kind of like, okay, like, where is that? Like, you know, you trust Phil Parker. You know, you trust the coaching staff. You know, you trust those guys to find guys late in the class. But, you know, your mind runs a little bit, a little bit, a little bit weary at that point because you're kind of like, okay, like, you know, where are they going to find these guys? And, you know, obviously, our perspective um, is a little different from the coach's perspective because obviously we see these guys, we have an idea of who the coaches are evaluating, but you know, you see some of these other maybe in-state guys that are getting these power five offers and you're yep. kind of like, why, why aren't these guys, you know, why aren't they offering like when Iowa went to go see Trey Porter of Ankeny Centennial or this year, um, I think Seth Wallace and Phil Parker went to go see him because I was there at Ankeny Centennial earlier in the day to talk to Trey and you know, I kind of was expecting Iowa to offer Trey a few days after that. And he went on a couple more game day visits, just didn't happen. And you're kind of like, okay, like, what is what is the plan here? Like, what is the plan for defensive back over And you're kind of, you know, you're kind of left in sort of a dark, a dark place with that. And, you know, just to see how much that's changed, obviously at that point, 
things really seem to be changing with the Wampa recruitment a bit. I know Iowa wasn't all the way at the top, but they were really trending up. And, you know, he mentioned that Penn State game as being the one to, you know, really change the tide in his recruitment where he kind of, you know, felt that he knew he was going to end up in Iowa City. Um, and then you're kind of like, okay, like there's a chance. Obviously, you don't know what's going to happen until signing day or until he announces he ends up picking Iowa. TJ Hall decommits from Washington a few weeks ago, obviously, with the coaching staff change. That yep. that played a big role. And you're kind of thinking to yourself, okay, like, wow, maybe, maybe there's a chance for them to get Hall too because – at the time that Iowa offered Hall, I was kind of like, "What? What is? What is the connection here? What's you know? You kind of have a little bit of ducks. How often does Iowa land kids from California who are committed to Washington and also have an offer from Michigan at that point? Obviously, Michigan, from what we've heard, didn't push as much as they expected to or as we expected to. And once they got him on campus for that official visit, you're kind of like, okay, like maybe there's a shot, but you know, obviously things still have to happen at Washington, and they end up happening." And at that point, you're like, okay, like maybe there's TJ Hall and then there's Wampa. And then I know Orlando Trader, Phil Parker was at his game. I believe it was during the bye week. Yeah, um, yep, it was. Yeah, it was during the bye week. And obviously that that turned into a positive. He got that offer from Nebraska. Um, and then Iowa came. He had that visit scheduled to Nebraska, but then ended up changing it to Iowa. And at first we were kind of like, okay, these two schools are going to have a competition for him. But as soon as he canceled that Nebraska visit, it was kind of like, all right, like now things are going Iowa's way with this one. And then Cone, Cone Edinger, I, ugh, I just botched that last name. Um, <laughs> he, that was, that was another odd recruitment. I thought there was no way he was getting up at Iowa at one point. And maybe that's just me being skeptical, but I think I thought at first, like, you know, this is going to be Michigan or, or Wisconsin. And then Notre Dame comes in and you're like, okay, like this is going to be, this is going to be one of those recruitments where Iowa got in earlier, got in early ish. But things just aren't going to work out for him. But Iowa did what it did need to do on the official visit. And you mentioned with Nwampa earlier, getting him in the class was so crucial to that defensive back group filling out. Because, you know, as you said before, dudes recruit dudes. And obviously, Nwampa wasn't, like, you know, all the difference with those guys. But I think seeing that trend of, you know, you can be a five-star and still go here that still appealed to those guys being like, okay, like we could have a really nasty secondary if we team all team up together and having yep, those guys, I exactly. think the Iowa staff could have, did a great job of having all those guys on campus together too, because they really seem to hit it off and they really seem to buy in. And, you know, we talk about how good this class is, even though it was a smaller class, I think that defensive back group, the guys that they've added in the past week and especially today have been, you know, the icing on the cake, with this with this class because it is it went from a pretty like a solid class to a really good one in my opinion i think when we look back sean we just started previewing the 2022 class we talked about how crucial it was that iowa does land an elite secondary class just because like you said they had cooper DeGene was the only defensive back last year okay they got wampa and then i think we kind of knew that hall after he decommitted from washington was trending iowa's way at least that's what i thought but you knew right when word got around he was coming to visit this past weekend. I mean, he did. He already used his official visit, so it was kind of like, okay, he's 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 going to pull the trigger, putting two and two together, barring a last minute change of heart. Uh, that was probably going to be the case. I think same thing with Alondo Trader. Obviously, he's a lot closer, but it just things had seemed to be trending. I think very well there. And like you said, uh, I'm I'm a huge fan of Cohen. I think that that was such a big get for this. 
2022 class again, a very late riser. He's a high three-star by 24-7 sports. This is a guy who earned offers from Notre Dame, Michigan, Wisconsin, Boston College. I mean, they're playing only one year on the defensive side of the ball. It's incredibly impressive, especially, again, going for a kid that was told he wasn't good enough to play football as a sophomore when he lived in Arizona. I think that's a huge deal. So you get a guy with a chip on his shoulder, plus the athletic traits, and under Phil Parker's tutelage, I, I think you have to be really, really excited about where the secondary uh, can go. And on top of that, too, like, yeah, Iowa has Terry Roberts. They got Sebastian Castro. They got Jamari Harris. They have guys who've been in the system. But you look at the window of opportunity there probably for this secondary, Sean. I mean, these guys have a chance to where if they earn the trust, I mean, Phil Parker has not been afraid to pull the trigger and say, hey, you're going in. Think back to Desmond King. Think back to uh, Josh Jackson played early in his career. Riley Moss played early in his career. Like, these guys all have a chance to where if they if they are proving in practice and earning the coach's trust, it, you know, it's not like some other positions. Iowa will throw you in immediately, especially Phil Parker. He's not going to think twice about it. Yeah, and I threw this in my nightly nuggets too. I know it was the plan all along for Wonka to enroll early wherever he ended up. And obviously a guy with his athletic ability, it's going to be hard to keep off the field, whether that be defense or special teams. At first, you know, they were talking more about the cash position for him, but now he's probably going to go to one of the safety spots, which spot I don't know yet. Um, so he's a guy that obviously could play right away, helps with him enrolling early. And then TJ Hall as well is planning an early enroll. I think those two will end up being roommates. So that's that's an interesting wrinkle there. But I think he's a guy that, you know, there's still some things he's got to work on. I think I think his hip movement, maybe you need – to get to get some work I think his athletic ability is there I think there's a lot of really positive traits that you can work with and one of my favorite things honestly about this defensive back class is all of them have experience playing receiver and yeah. you know I was never I was never a defensive back I, I only played football for two years but I've watched enough and studied the game to know enough that you know when you're a wide receiver and that usually translates well to defensive back you're able to pick up on what the receivers are doing. You're able to read routes. You're able to, you know, just understand what a receiver is thinking, what a receiver is going through, and just, you know, understand that mental aspect of it. And I think both Wampa and Hall and then, you know, Cone and uh, Trader as well, those those two guys, they, they all have that experience. And I think that's necessary to be defensive back at the next level. It's not it's not obviously a requirement, but I think, you know, those guys have an advantage of having that experience from high school and playing defensive back. No, I agree with you, too. Again, I think Cohen's only going to get better. Like I said, with him only playing defense for a year, him only playing three years of football, and then, again, you get Phil Parker's defense and you just get what the way Iowa has produced. I think the starter kit is there, and Iowa has had previous defensive backs who have had similar starter kits and have gone on to have very, very good careers, and they end up playing on Sundays. Uh, so Sean, I guess let's just start going down the line. I think, you know, a lot of people are very curious about Aaron Graves, huge, huge fan of his film. It was interesting. I think Kelvin Bell in his, in the Aaron Graves uh, announcement by Hawkeye football said he was one of the most impressive guys, maybe the most impressive guy he's seen on film. And when you turn it on, I mean, Sean, this is a guy that he immediately pops, pops to you on film. And I think when I, we listened to Tyler Barnes earlier today, uh, Tyler said that he wanted to offer Aaron two games into Aaron's freshman season because he see, he said he saw all he needed to see and the staff just said, hey, Tyler, you know, slow it up a little bit. We'll get there. And then obviously in the summer it was an open, shut case. Uh, Kirk barely got the scholarship out of his mouth and Aaron just said, hey, how do I commit? 
And he just said, well, you just got to tell us. And Aaron goes like, okay, that's what I want. And then I think Aaron earned a lot of respect. I think I got to give, I think Scott Dockman put it in his story. I want to give him credit for that from the athletic that, you know, when, when Iowa state and some other schools got on, you know, his school's grounds, Aaron just said, coach, why'd you even let him here? I'm not flipping. I don't want to go anywhere. I want to be a Hawkeye. And I think when that quote sort of got around, I think people already really liked Aaron Graves, but I think he really, really moved up in some of the power rankings as far as maybe maybe an early favorite. But you talk about a guy who has versatility all over the defensive line. I mean, Aaron Graves, to go from small-town Iowa kid to, to All-American as a high schooler, it's incredibly impressive. But then when you look at his sort of physical build and his skill set, Sean, I mean, he probably is one of the more dominant defensive linemen uh, in probably Iowa high school football history. Yeah, he brings a lot. He brings a lot to the table. And I saw him going into his junior year. He was at a showcase that I went to. And, you know, that was more just testing and, you know, numbers and stuff. And I thought from there, you know, obviously passes the eye test with his size and went through some of the drills. And I thought he was really good. And, um, you know, on the defensive line, obviously, he was able to dominate at the 1A or 2A level um, from what he was playing before. But, he was going up against some D1 guys, I believe, offensive line commit Kale, or I know Kale Crow was there at the time. Um, so he battled him a little bit. So there was a step up in the competition. He probably could have had, you know, a couple more moves on the defensive line that would have made him real, would have had him win some more reps. But, you know, I just thought from a size standpoint, just, you know, seeing what he could do athletically and, you know, watching him this fall as well, seeing him up close and in a game setting, I, I mean, I love what he brings on both sides of the ball. I think there's a lot of upside on both. I know he's going to start on the defensive line. I know a lot of people on our message board, especially, um, we're a little frustrated <laughs> for me bringing up, you know, he could, be, he could be a potential NFL guy in the offensive line, especially at that guard position. He is just built so well for that spot. And, you know, he's built perfectly on the interior as well as a defensive tackle, which is where I think he's going to fit. I think he's got enough twitchiness to be in that spot. I know a lot of people want, you know, are interested to see him on the defensive end, but I think defensive tackle is where he might be the best fit long-term just because of his size, stature, and, you know, how he can fit into that one-gap system. So there's a lot to like there, but, man, if offensive line, I know – George Barnett's probably thinking about, you know, hey, how can I get this guy to the offensive side of the ball? I know he's going to start as as defensive line, but I'm interested to see how that whole how that whole thing develops. Here's what I'll say, Sean. So I did, I did, I went back and looked at Aaron Graves' graphic, and Kelvin Bell said it's the most impressive highlight tape I've seen since I've been in this role. So I know you like him on the offensive line, but I'll tell you, Kelvin Bell's going to fight like absolute hell to make sure that, that he doesn't flip over the offensive line because, you know, Kelvin, Kelvin does not hand out praise lightly. Uh, and, and again, I think when you look at what Aaron has, I think he does fit in a defensive tackle role. I, I really like him at edge. Uh, I think Iowa has a lot of dudes on the edge, though. I think there's a lot of guys that are going to continue to progress. I really love Deontay Craig. I know we've talked about him a few times. Then you look at some of the upside guys on the inside. You look at uh, Lucas Van Ness, who had a very productive year. You look at, you know, Y.A. Black, who I think is going to have a very high upside as well. Iowa's going to get Ethan Herquette back. And remember, he was a guy who saw some spare rotational uh, reps at defensive ends. So the defensive line class is preloaded, but Again, I think Aaron Graves' strength and his skill set. And, you know, something that really stuck out to me about Tyler Barnes' press conference today, he called Aaron the lowest maintenance recruit in the history of Iowa football. He said, yeah, we'd send him graphics and he'd say thanks, but he'd never post any of them. 
Like, and, you know, I do think that when you talk about perfect culture fit, uh, I do think it does have a say in about, you know, how far some guys can go. And I think Aaron is a perfect fit for Iowa's system schematically. I think it's a perfect fit personality wise. And I think he's got no trouble transitioning uh, into the college lifestyle and into the, you know, going into a Big Ten football program despite being from small town Iowa. I, I just think the upside is absolutely there. Yeah, and I like the haul, too, that they got with the other defensive linemen, Brian Allen and Kane Crawford. Obviously, that Brian Allen recruitment got pretty interesting throughout um, with him coming to Illinois and then, you know, decommitting, trending towards Iowa. Oregon comes in, offer makes interesting, then that staff leaves, and Iowa looks like the pick. And, you know, obviously Miami, Florida got involved with the Oregon staff. And, yeah, it was just a, it was a lot going on. But I think, you know, with Iowa get, getting him in the boat, he's the type of guy. And same thing with Caden. I think Caden Crawford's a true edge guy. Brian strikes me more as a, you know, he could be both. I know someone on a board said he reminded him of Deontay Craig. I could see where you're coming from with that. I just think, you know, it kind of all depends on how much Allen grows because I think he could be, you know, either on the outside or inside. I'm leaning towards outside right now on the edge, but I think him and Crawford, Crawford Crawford's interesting to me because – you know, quarterback, linebacker in high school, doesn't have much exposure to defensive line. Enrolling early is the best thing for him. He has the athletic traits. He has the size. He has the frame. He has the physique, all you want. He, you know, he can drop back in coverage. He can make plays in space. He covers well sideline to sideline. Really has a good nose for the ball. But that adjustment to defensive end is going to be a lot. I think he's a guy that, you know, eventually year two, could make his way up the depth chart and yeah. potentially be in that two, you know, best case scenario, be that backup spot or, you know, number three. But I think he's a guy that, you know, a lot of people really aren't talking about as much in this class. You know, we talk about Wonka, talk about Graves, talk about, you know, the running backs, talk about Carson May. But, you know, I feel like Caden Crawford's a guy that really just has not been getting a lot of conversation, a lot of notability i don't know if it's that maybe because he committed so early or yeah that's what exactly what i was about to bring up i know you could say the same thing with graves but graves is an all-american ace from from small town iowa so i mean obviously there's going to be a lot of people hyped up about him but i would say it's just him being there early but i mean sean you've been you know kind of trying to get k in that fourth star for a while now and i've kind of been in that same boat with you i mean his strength numbers are off the charts and i think that he just has a nose for the ball he's relentless he was all around, do it, do everything for his high school. And I, I think he's going to fit really, really well into Iowa's system. And I'm very intrigued about, you know, how he sort of progresses through his first 18 months or so on campus. Because I do think, like you said, I think his upside is very high. Yeah, he's got a head start in the weight room as well. I posted something earlier this summer, some of his weight room numbers, and they were really impressive. And he's got a lot to work with. I know Kelvin Bell, he's – Calvin Bell's put together some really good defensive line classes in the last few cycles. It's been it's been very, very interesting to see. And, you know, these guys, you know, obviously they're developing through the system and getting to a point where, you know, they're starters and it doesn't it's not your first year, but he has so many guys that you just look at their high school tape and, you know, you're just like, oh my gosh, there's so much to work with here. There's so much impressive uh athletically, physically. Um, motor wise, it's not like these guys are taking plays off, like, and their versatility as well. Kelvin Bell recruits guys that can be defensive linemen, not just defensive ends or defensive tackles. He wants that versatility, he wants to be able to move guys around, as we've seen with AJ Epinesa in the past. I think John Chauncey Golston 
played a couple of reps on the inside and, you know, just moving these guys around to, you know, throw off defenses and just, you know, display the versatility and athleticism because that's what this defensive line is made up of. We didn't see it as much this year, but I think there's guys that you can look to, especially on the edge, that can play either spot. And, you know, that's what Kelvin has in this class. I, I think Graves is more of a true interior guy, but I think Allen and Crawford, I think Crawford leans more to the outside while Allen's kind of, you know, in the middle a little bit. But both of them have the ability to rush the passer and also, you know, clog lanes on the interior as well. You know, unless I'm mistaken, didn't Davion Nixon, there were some certain schemes that threw him on the outside as well. And that was even some of the most successful reps is I think they swapped around AJ, put him, not AJ, it was it swapped around, I think it was Chauncey, they swapped him on the inside, then Davion on the outside, then they just sort of counter and, you know, switch, switch, um, switch right in the ball was snapped and they had some success there. So, no, I agree with you. I mean, it's, it is kind of funny when we talk to Kelvin, he, he does not, He's not saying he doesn't like when we ask about in defensive end or defensive tackle because, like, no, I recruit defensive linemen. And like you said, I think that versatility does go a long way. Uh, but, Sean, let's flip over the offense. I think there's let's plenty go, to talk let's about Let's go linebackers. Well. Let's go linebackers, linebackers first. Yeah, okay. yeah before defense. Yeah. yeah, so Jay Montgomery, that was obviously a, a – I wouldn't say a surprise addition this summer. Um, I think Iowa was tracking him for a while. I know they were for sure. He had a really good camp going into his sophomore year, I believe. And Iowa continued to keep tabs on him. Obviously, the the son of a former Iowa defensive lineman, Jerry Montgomery, is now working with the Green Bay Packers. Jaden had a uh, shortened senior season. Um, injuries kept him off the field. He tore his ACL early on in the season. But you look at his junior film, man, and you know his motor, he has a nose for the football. I know Seth Wallace mentioned that in the write-up that they had. Yep. Nose for the football, high football IQ, and, you know, obviously it'd be interesting to see how he can do in coverage. But, you know, I think he's got a lot of traits that you want, you know, from a football standpoint. Obviously, you know, there's some people are going to knock on his size of five foot eleven, But I think there was some stat where like 67 linebackers since the 2011 NFL draft have been selected or have been in the NFL um, that are under six foot around five yeah. eleven. So. You know, obviously size, a lot of people are going to knock on that. But I think if, you know, I always fall under the monitor. If you can play, you can play. And I think Jaden, you know, didn't have the offers that maybe some of the other guys had. But I think there's a lot that he can bring as far as, you know. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Motor, physicality, and just, you know, understand the game of football. And... You know, he's a guy, I'm, I'm not going to say he's a sleeper, but, you know, I just think he's one of those classic Iowa guys that you get in the program and, you know, all of a sudden he's playing like a decent amount of reps. I don't know if you agree with me or not on that. No, I, I agree too. And I mean, you look at some of the most elite guys in, in college football as far as linebackers go. I mean, N'Kobe Dean for Georgia is he's six foot 220 coming out of high school. And obviously he's a freak athlete and there's some different athletic traits there. But, you know, the size differential – you know, size really doesn't make a, a big difference among linebackers anymore. And it really just depends on how 
what schemes being played as well. I like the addition. And again, I think there is an extra motivation for guys to where, you know, if they grow up Iowa fans around the Iowa program, I think there is a, a little bit of an added chip on their shoulder, a little bit of an added motivation, not to say that other guys don't have it, but it's like you're representing, you know, what you've always been about, what you've been raised on. And I, I think that does go a long way as well. And again, I think nose for the football, you can be productive. I mean, I, I know it's two totally different circumstances and skill sets, Sean, but I mean, I, I, you talk about a guy who's very productive as a linebacker goes, but some people were worried about his frame. Jack Campbell. I mean, some people thought Jack Campbell is too kind of big to play linebacker. I mean, that, that some people wanted him to go, you know, he was obviously skinny, but some people want him to bulk up and move to defensive line because he's nearly six foot six. I mean, six foot five might be underselling it a little bit. But when you and I went and watched him in the state playoffs as a senior, I think it was before he committed to Iowa. What do you have, like 10 tackles in the first quarter? And I said, yeah, you can't move that guy on the inside. And he just – you can't move him to the defensive line. I think Campbell was fantastic. And Montgomery, again, knows for the football, very fundamentally sound. And in Iowa's defense, being fundamentally sound and understanding schemes and understanding football, that's going to get you a long way to maximize your potential. And I think that, you know, it might take Montgomery a little bit. But I, I like the addition. I thought it was a very good add for this 2022 class. Yeah, and Landon Van uh, Kekerich is going to be, you know, the classic small-town Iowa late signing day, or obviously early signing day in this case, but late signing, um, you know, in this class that we've seen so many times before. He He's another guy that just has a nose for the football plays, plays with a high motor, and like I said before, multi-positional player. Those guys are really turn into really capable players in the long term. And, you know, he's a basketball player as well. Not 100% sure if he's a track guy. I imagine he is. But, um, you know, he's he's a late bloomer. And, you know, had he not been in Western northwestern Iowa, had he been, you know, maybe more active on social media with posting offers, this could have been a 5, 10, maybe 15 offer guy with some of his film. He's just – he's a beast. He's he, nuts. Uh, yeah, three-down linebacker, can play, you know, any linebacker spot. I think he's going to be an outside guy. Um, Alan True compared him to Ben Neiman, who Iowa fans will remember well, playing with the Kansas City Chiefs now. I could see where he's coming from with that. And I, I think, you know, physically, he looks the part. Saw him in that Iowa uniform this weekend in some of the pictures. And, you know, he's a guy that can really fill out pretty easily. And, you know, linebacker didn't seem to be a big priority in this class. But I think with the way that Iowa was able to fill it with Montgomery and uh, Landon, I think those are really two um productive gets and really two pretty solid gets for what for what you want in this class for a class that you know the focus was not going to be linebacker i think you know you go look at this linebacker room sean every single player still has two years of eligibility left in the linebacker room i mean they had three before this year and that's what jack campbell said i think that's what campbell said that seth wallace told him that i I double checked that and i believe that is true so like you said it was not a huge priority uh i gotta give alan true a big shout out when it comes to evaluating him 24 seven was definitely had the curve had him at a seven overall which is a very solid three-star guy uh and alan just said yeah he plays with physicality he does need to get stronger and add weight but you just look at his you look at his high school numbers sean i mean they absolutely pop off the page he was productive every single in every single way um I believe he had what 31 i think he had 34 all-purpose touchdowns 649 yards on the ground, 17 touchdowns, 29 receptions for 715 yards and 14 touchdowns. 
Had 65 total tackles, 11 and a half for loss, three sacks and a pick. Oh, and he also returned two kickoffs for touchdowns. Like, there is room to find a place for him on your football team. I think Iowa did a great job with him. And like you said, if he had been more active about really wanting to pursue football, then, uh, you know, he probably would have racked up a lot of offers. And I think it was a huge, huge get for Iowa uh, to be able to, again, lock down some of the top in-state talent. I, I agree he needs to continue to put on muscle and add weight. But, I mean, Seth Wallace, I think, is going to be one happy camper when he looks back at this 2022 class. There's two guys that fit the Iowa culture. They understand what it's about. They understand, you know, the, how they fit in the defense. And I think that that really does go a long way because, you know, when you do get some of those higher-tier kids, Sean, a lot of them are going to say, okay, yeah, they're going to change some stuff up to benefit me because I bring this, this, and this to the table. And these two guys are just like, no, I fit perfectly in this scheme, and I'm going to go in and I'm going to go be productive for them. Yeah, and there's been some good buzz about some of the freshman linebackers in the room right now. So that'll be something to keep an eye on to see how this, how that group can grow because you know it's in, it's in a pretty good place right now. Definitely. So uh, we'll flip over the offensive side of the ball again. Hey, guys, if you need to stay out, like if you don't need to travel, stay out of the street because the wind is definitely picking up. I just saw some pictures around the surrounding area. Uh, please be sure you're staying safe and all your devices are charged and uh, just, you know, take care of yourself. So, uh, Sean, flipping over the offensive side of the ball again, I think there's a lot to like here. Um I guess to start the running backs with the news that Tyler Goodson is going to the NFL. He's opting out of Iowa's bowl game. Uh, we've already touched on that decision and kind of our thoughts about it. You know, I get Tyler's a great kid. I wish him the best. Um, I think he's going to find a place in the NFL for sure. But Liddell Betts, I think, is one happy camper, especially obviously they locked down just Juan Patterson from uh, from Deerfield Beach, Florida. But let's start with Caleb Johnson, Sean. I mean, this is a guy where I think Iowa has done a good job of recruiting runners that do fit their scheme. But I think you look back to some of their most recent recruiting classes, Caleb Johnson might be the best fit for what Iowa wants to do running the football. Like, I am very, very eager to see how he fits into this system. He's six foot, I think six foot one, 200. I think Tyler Barnes said he showed up at a camp, 225 pounds. Tyler said he had a 12 pack, and I kind of rolled my eyes. But then when you look at Caleb Johnson's, Photos, he is as physically gifted of a running back coming into Iowa as I've seen Iowa get in memory. And I think he's physically ready to compete at the Big Ten level. But he's got the size. He doesn't necessarily look to run over everybody. I think he's got good vision. He knows how to you know, make that one jump cut, which I think is so deadly. We've seen Tyler Goodson make it so many times. But again, he doesn't shy away from con- contact with Iowa's own running scheme. Uh, this is a guy who I think is going to see the field earlier rather than later. I, I'm very eager to see how he fits in the room. And with Goodson gone, obviously, you know, both Williamses will uh, be the favorite. We'll see what Ivory Kelly Martin does. But, uh, man, Sean, you, you really have to like what Caleb Johnson brings to the table. Yeah, he's got a, uh, a nice combination of, you know, things that you want in a running back. You know, he's obviously a thicker, thicker build can run guys over, not necessarily, you know, going to try and truck guys every run, time he runs, but, you know, he can he can get yards after contact. He can, you know, break tackles and do that sort of thing, but he can also outrun you. And I think that's such a valuable asset, you know, being able to get to the outside and beat guys down. And obviously you want a guy that can run through the A gap, B gap, and, you know, get get through the hole. But, um, you know, he, he brings a lot to the table. And I think there is definitely a spot for him to potentially compete next year for snaps. I'm not going to say that's guaranteed, but – 
I think there's there's some buzz that he could potentially compete. Um, I know I talked to Hamilton head coach Neymahan a couple weeks ago and a couple months ago as well for his story. And, you know, he kind of thinks the same thing. Obviously, you know, a high school coach's perspective is different from a from a college perspective. Yeah. But, you know, he's coached a couple of D1 guys and, you know, he's seen Iowa system, what they can do. And, you know, it seems like Johnson's a guy that fits that mold of what Iowa wants as a running back. And I think it speaks volumes to how much Iowa wanted Johnson because when he was committed to Cal, he was still hearing from Iowa a bit. And, you know, that sort of thing is always a big deal because, you know, a guy commits that early, you're kind of like, okay, like, yeah, we could show interest. How do we want to go about this? But Iowa, you know, wasn't too too pokey, just pretty persistent and still showing them. I mean, tip of the cap to Liddell and George Barnett here. They played really big roles in this recruitment, and it ended up paying off in a big way. Um, you know, continue to show that interest, get them on an official visit, get them to campus, and, you know, get them to commit because that was a big fine. That was a big get. And it didn't look like it was going Iowa's way in the summer. But, you know, once the tide started to turn a little bit this fall, then, you know, I, I definitely think it was one of the bigger bigger gets in this class because, you know, he brings a lot to the table that, you know, you want in a running back. And obviously it takes running backs different time periods to, you know, get used to the college level. And obviously not every running back is going to be Tyler Goodson where they're playing major snaps as a, fre- as a true freshman and, you know, get the offense down that quickly. But I think Caleb was a guy just from natural ability could, you know, translate really well to this room. And I'm interested to see what Jazzy and Patterson does as well. You know, his junior year wasn't, wasn't as what many people thought, you know, had some weight on him. kind of, you know, made schools take a step back. Iowa comes in this summer. He has a great senior year. I think Marshall was really the only other school pushing for him by the time that I, when he commits Iowa, and, you know, a lot of people knock on that. But then you remember that Florida and Florida State both want, both wanted him to wait to, you know, commit later on in the year because they wanted to see what he could do. And he said, no, I, I want to go to Iowa. They believed in me. And, you know, they saw what I could do even when I wasn't at my best last year. And he had a great senior season for Deerfield Beach. And yeah. you know, him early enrolling, too, is a big step. I know we talk a lot about Johnson, but I think uh, Patterson brings a lot to the table as well that you like. I think you need to bring up a couple of things, Sean. I mean, you look at old Big Ten Network, Jerry DeNaro said today that he thought Patterson was one of the more impressive people he watched on film when he looked at the Big Ten's, you know, 2022 class. And when you look back at, you know, Patterson's junior year, I think you need to remember, I think uh, Andrew Ivins wrote this in his commitment article because he was on site covering uh, the entire school's commitment. So I think there's at least, what, four or five D1 kids out of Deerfield Beach. But he just said, yeah, you know, Patterson was very terrified. His family was very cautious of COVID. Uh, Patterson, you know, they took a really backseat approach. He did put on some weight. He wasn't in the best shape. Like you said, some schools backed off. But, again, that was because his family was really taking the safe approach when it came to COVID-19 and and all of the other stuff. So I think that's just sort of an, of an outlier. And I don't think that really would have been the case that it had been any other year. And then you talk to his coach this year. You look at what he showed on film this year, right? A, a great first step, a great vision, I think. I mean, he's a five foot ten and a half guy, five foot eleven guy. He ain't afraid to run you over. And I think he has just a newfound quickness. I think there's a newfound chip on his shoulder. And like you said, uh, you know, Marshall is really the only one pushing when Iowa did. But like you said, Florida and Florida State, you know, said, hey, hold off. We want to see what you can do. But then he looked back at some of the offers. I mean, he had, I mean, Sean, he, he picked, according to the 24 7 Sports uh, his page. Uh, he had offers from Bama, Arkansas, 
you know, Michigan, Nebraska, Oregon, Penn State. I mean, he's getting offers from everywhere. I mean, this is a guy who's a very, very talented guy. I think, again, this could be another guy where people look back and say, yeah, you know, we probably should have uh, really should have kept our offer open and really looked at him too. And I think another thing is, look, spots filled up fast this year. It was such a unique year with COVID-19. And, you know, again, I think you look back at the summer, I think a lot of people were worried about where Iowa was as far as top targets go. And they didn't really know where Iowa was going to go from there. And luckily for Iowa, I think it's paid off in a big way. And that's why their class is ranked as high as it is. And, you know, Kirk Ferentz gets knocked for getting older. But, Sean, I mean, he, you could argue they're recruiting at a better level than ever. Yeah, and I think Liddell bets, too, those Florida connections with Jazzy and obviously helped a big deal. And, you know, they missed out on a couple guys at running back position earlier in the cycle. And a lot of people give him flack for the 2021 class and, you know, not landing Ricky Parks and, you know, that whole deal. But, yeah, I think you said you said it, too, recruiting's on, on an upward swing. And, you know, I think Iowa, you know, you want to land guys with the big names. You want to land the guys with a lot of offers. But, you know, you see these guys at their landing, too, that might not be the top target on, you know, big-time schools' boards. Obviously, Wampa is an exception there. Um, and Graves, had he waited, would have been an exception as well. But, you know, some of these other guys weren't necessarily getting the huge offers. They were getting Power 5 offers, but not the not the big-time names for some of them. But, you know, just seeing these recruiting wins, it's, it's a plus. And, you know, a lot of these guys have, you know, the, the traits and the measurables and, you know, the qualities, the intangibles that have really worked well at Iowa when it comes from a development standpoint. I think there's guys that can compete early on in their in their career potentially. But, you know, from, from a long-term standpoint, these guys just seem to fit what Iowa wants. And, you know, like I said before, you want you want the big names. You want the guys with the, with the high rankings. But, um, you know, you, you just do what you just do what works for you. And that's what Iowa has in this class. And, you know, I think there's a lot of guys that, you know, maybe not freshman, sophomore contributors, but, you know, junior, senior year, fifth year guys that come around and, you know, make contributions in due time. So, Sean, we'll, uh, we'll rattle off some of the rest of the guys and we'll, you know, we have a couple questions too. I want to make sure that we get to as well. So let's, let's go to quarterback Carson May. Very under the radar guy. I mean, he only had offers from Western Michigan, Old Dominion, but he put up, uh, as Tyler Barnes said, PlayStation numbers throughout his high school career. Six foot five, 225 pounder, has great film. I think he can throw on the run, big, strong armed guy. I think it'll be a big competition adjustment just from 2A Oklahoma football to Big Ten caliber football. But, I mean, Carson, I think, is a very, very prototypical Iowa quarterback in the sense that his measurables fit the scheme. But I do think he brings a newer, maybe more, a little bit more athleticism to the position than Iowa's had uh, in recent years, especially when you consider size, size and strength. I think he had 451 yards on the ground this past year. Uh, completed, I think, 70% of his passes. I'll have to double-check my numbers on that. Uh, very low interceptions, 30-plus touchdowns. Uh, I, again, I think it will be a couple of years for him to really get in the system, but Carson May, I think, brings a lot to the table. And um, I, Again, I think if, his, if COVID-19 had not been a thing, if his film had been pushed out a little bit more, this is a guy who I think easily rattles off 10 to 15, 10 to 15 offers minimum, including a lot more from Power 5. 
Yeah, Michigan uh, head coach Jim Harbaugh went up to Carson before a camp in early June, so before Iowa offered, but he was obviously a key guy in Iowa's radar and pulled him over and said, like, hey, man, you got a lot of talent. Like, you're going to be a really good player at whatever school you pick. And I think that goes to show, you know, obviously Iowa trusts their evaluations as well and, you know, have a good track record with quarterbacks. But, you know, I just think that also speaks volumes to the type of ability that he has. And I know we talked a lot about Marco Lanes this week, who committed in the 2023 class, a four-star quarterback out of New Jersey. But, you know, I'm not, I'm not sleeping on – I'm not – I Carson May is going to compete. He is going to be a very, very good option in the quarterback room for Iowa. I'm really, really interested to see the quarterback competition in a couple of years because, you know, Joey Lavis brings a different dynamic to the offense with his with his yep. ground game. And, you know, he's got a decent arm, still still a few things he needs to work on, but that's normal for a quarterback. Carson, there's a lot of upside there. I think, you know, his intangibles and what he brings to the table athletically and you know, he's got a really big arm. I think those are going to adjust well. Um, and then Marco as well. Obviously, he brings a little bit of different dynamic. I think someone compared him to a, you know, taller Sam Howell. Obviously, he's not going to be Sam Howell. I'm not guaranteeing he's going to be a Heisman candidate <laughs> before, you know, early on in his career. I'm not saying that at all. Yeah. But I just think from a comparison standpoint, that's that's a fair one. Um but yeah, I mean, this quarterback competition is going to be going to be very fascinating in the next couple of years. I think obviously Labis has an edge being there, but I'm not I'm not sleeping on a guy like Carson May because I think he brings a lot to the table that you know maybe some of the other guys don't have. And what that is, couldn't tell you right now because obviously college is a different aspect. But there's a lot there's a lot to work with, and you know, same thing with Marco, same thing with Joey. Those guys have a lot of potential, and you know it's gonna be very fascinating to see how this how this whole quarterback you know competition goes goes in the next few years. Especially since they're not all the same quarterback, they're not all the same like size. Right. Like it's not the prototypical Iowa quarterback battle. So I, I couldn't agree with you more on that. Um, and again, I, it'll be interesting to see how the quarterback, everything surrounding Iowa's quarterback position, really kind of even even clears up in the next few months. Because I mean, obviously, it's gonna it will pay down down the line about what could potentially happen uh, in the future. So, yeah, I look up Carson May's film. If you haven't already, uh, I think you'll become a fan. Again, very good get. Number 449 overall recruit by the 24-7 sports composite, um, which I believe is number the fourth highest in the 2022 class for Iowa. Sean, by another position, obviously Iowa is classified as tight end U. I think you have a very hard time convincing me that's any other university at this point based on the track record. But I really like Iowa's tight ends. Like, these are two under-the-radar caliber guys. Uh, but, man, I you look at the starter kit that they have. I know you've scouted them in person. This is a very, very good dynamic duo. And we'll see. I bet Sam Laporta returns. That's not anything I'm hearing. That's just what I'm, what I'm, I think is going to happen. I think that'll be a thing. I think Luke Lachey has a huge, huge upside when he continues to piece it together. The Elijah Yelverton, if he can stay healthy, I think he can be a factor. I mean, that's a guy who had 30-plus offers coming out of high school. But, man, Addison Ostranga and Cale Vanderbush, Sean, I mean, two six foot six, six foot five guys. Uh, Vanderbush needs to put on some weight and continue to develop his blocking. But I, I really like the upside there. I think Iowa got – I think that could be Iowa steal of the class for sure. Yeah, I agree with you. And I haven't seen Vanderbush in person, but I've seen Addison Ostr- in person. Ostranga, yeah, yeah. yeah. I've seen Addison in person twice uh, at a workout in the summer and then 
went to a game earlier this fall. So I got I've got a lot of exposure to him and yeah, I mean Addison, I, I was a little I was a little interested at first when they took him. Um not gonna lie, I thought, you know, obviously the intangibles were there and you know with this Iowa staff, you just gotta trust what they're doing evaluation wise with the positions that they excel at and tight ends one of them. And, you know, this summer or this fall when I saw him and obviously his senior film was really impressive from the first part of the season. And then when I saw him live, I was like, holy cow, like this kid brings a lot to the table that you want. Obviously, as high at the high school level, played more of a wide receiver type um, out wide. But, you know, we'll play tight end at Iowa, have his hand in the dirt, be interested to see what he could play in line. He could be a flex guy, you know, can can really trend either way. And I think that's what you want in a type of tight end like that. And I thought, you know, the physicality that he brought on the defensive end as well as kind of that outside linebacker hybrid defensive end type guy who, you know, not necessarily always his hand in the dirt, but can rush the passer and, you know, do a couple of different things. I thought that was really impressive as well. And just his athleticism too, like he caught a screen pass and he ran to the opposite, you know, outran guys to the opposite side of the field for like a 35 yard touchdown. And it did not like, I think he juked out one guy at the line of scrimmage when he first caught it and then just bolted, you know, straight diagonal to the pylon to the first pylon on the right side for a touchdown when he was on the other side of the hashes Mm -hmm. to the left. And, you know, right there, I was kind of like, Holy cow. Like, thank God I got that on video because that was something (laughs) I really, I was really impressed with. I know, you know, the knock, you know, he passes the eyes has physically and I think speed, you know, to some was maybe an issue. But, you know, what he brought, what he showed there and, you know, what he showed defensively was was really something that opened my eyes. And Vanderbush, I, I haven't seen him as much as some of the others. But I think from a development standpoint, he's got a lot of the tools that you want. It kind of reminds me of a maybe a Luke Lachey type in high school, except Lachey, you know, obviously played so many different positions on defense that or you know all over the field play quarterback yep. for a couple of games and athletically is just gifted but then you look at kale's basketball highlights and the dunk that he had uh during the basketball game earlier this year where he just kind of levitated off the ground you're kind of like holy cow like this kid gets off the ground so easily and you know that's good for when you're looking at you know tracking the ball at times or ball skills and you know your vertical and catching those 50 50 balls and obviously as you said before i think you know, he's going to get into the weight room. He's going to develop, you know, strength-wise. But I think those athletic traits, and obviously I think playing basketball. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com kind of you know translates well to def or to football and you know being a tight end being a wide receiver because you're able to you're able to track the ball you're able to you know footwork i know it's a really important thing with offensive linemen is that footwork and you know tracking the ball and you know just knowing where you're at on the court and you know having hand-eye coordination for that certain things and you know all different sports and you know we talk about the importance of multi-sport athletes like these two guys are it too kale kale plays football basketball addison was committed to Iowa baseball, plays basketball too for some prairie and then football as well. 
Like, you know, these guys are all go all the time and those different types of movements and those different types of, you know, things that you take away from those other sports all come back to football and you see that on the football field and they just have like a different step that maybe you don't see out of some of those other guys that are on the field with them. I don't know if that's just them being size wise, but I think just athletically, it's just, they're just a step apart from, you know, other guys in the field. And, you know, obviously you think size, you know, slower, but they just seem to be in a different gear than everyone else. No, and I'm happy you brought up the multi-sport too because that's something I meant to bring up with Aaron Graves earlier. I mean, remember, he's a big-time wrestler, a big-time basketball player as well, and a really good basketball player. I mean, there's a reason why guys, when Iowa typically recruits linemen, they are recruiting guys that wrestle. They're recruiting multi-sport athletes. I wish I had the percentage in front of me of guys that were multi-sport athletes, but it is a big deal, and it really does translate. And I think you know the Iowa coaches and a lot of the people say the same thing. They don't want, you know, players, unless they're in college focusing on the one sport, they want them to play a variety of sports because those skill sets truly do translate. And it's been proven time and time again. And I think that's a big deal. So let's transition now into in the final position that we really haven't hit on yet. Offensive line, very small class for Iowa's offensive line. And understandably wide receiver. So, and wide receiver, Jacob Bostick. So we'll uh, we'll start with both, Sean. I guess we'll start with the offensive line. Then we'll, we'll switch out to Jacob uh, I think you scouted you scout Kale, correct? Yeah, I've seen. I'm trying, Kale. I'm trying to keep in track. I saw Kale a number of times, like mainly for workouts and stuff, and you know, seeing him up close and stuff, and watched him play basketball a few times the last few years. Probably going to go to a game this year as well. And you know, it's another thing with that multi-sport stuff, that footwork, that you know, just mobility on the court, and you know, he doesn't carry a lot, a ton of bad weight. He looks really physical. Or last time I saw him. Looks really physically impressive for his size. Obviously, this year he was hurt for a majority of senior season, so didn't get to see a whole bunch. But I know George Barnett. He was the top guy on George Barnett's board when he took the Iowa job. And Iowa was very close to offering him, you know, going into his junior season Yeah, from what he told me. Um, and obviously, you know, the coaching change and stuff. But Barnett kind of seemed to ramp it up a bit with him. And I think that kind of speaks volumes to what Kale can bring to the table. I I always thought of him as a true offensive tackle, but it was interesting to see that Barnett thinks that he could play both tackle and guard. Um, he knows a lot more than me about that, but I thought that was just very interesting. Sure. No, yeah, I, I remember you. I think I remember you texted me after one of your workouts when you went to watch Kale work out, and you said, "Yeah, I think he's gonna get an offer." And we kind of went back and forth about his skill set, and that's not surprising. Uh, Jack Dotsler. Our own 24-7 sports is Alan True said he could be one of the steals in the Midwest as far as offensive linemen goes. I think he had some injury injuries his junior year, which kind of limited his film. But he came to camp, really, really did did well. And then obviously I think he had a big, big-time senior year as well. Big buy guy, I think he needs to continue to put on some weight. But I think, again, Dotsler, I think there's an added little bit of motivation, Sean. We talk about guys that grow up diehard Iowa fans. He was a Wisconsin native. But he's got family ties to the University of Iowa. That's all he wanted to do is play for Iowa. I, again, I added motivation there. A variety of blocks. I think he did just uh, – when you look at his film, when you talk to the people that surround him, Sean, he knows about a variety of blocks. And, you know, especially in high school, when you look at some of the top – even top talent, they're very one-dimensional offenses because that's just what you know, a lot of teams do unless you go to a high-caliber nationally acclaimed school. They're going to run a lot of one- or two-dimensional offenses a lot of the same type of blocks i mean i think back to my old high school which had a couple d1 kids on it they barely they never threw the football 
But you throw on Dotzer's film, he shows a variety of blocks, and I think he needs to continue to improve upon the consistency. But I'll tell you, man, the foundation's there. And the best part for Dotzler is there's really going to be no pressure for him to step up immediately and contribute right away. He's going to have time to learn under the system, to be able to grow into the role. Then right when he steps on that field, Sean, I think he's going to be productive the second he earns the spot on the field because I think he's a very he's a very high high floor kind of prospect. And those type of guys, I think, do 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 really well at Iowa. Yeah, and I think Kale's one of those high floor guys too. And you talk about Dotsler, he comes from a school where you know you have Iowa State signing Andrew Keller at the tight end position. You're going to throw the football, and you know a lot of high schools around here, especially when you get to the smaller classes, don't throw the football that much. So there's not when you're an offensive lineman, there's not as much familiarity with the pass protection, those pass sets, and you know Dotsler might have a step up in that direction. And I thought Kale, you know, they run the ball more from what I saw, but I think his pass his pass set reps looks really good as well. So, you know, it's a it's a it's a good start from there. And I think, you know, Dotzler's another basketball guy as well who looks really nimble on the court and, you know, seems to have those, you know, just awareness and foot footwork that you need in an offensive lineman. So those are positives and, you know, these these two guys, I mean, Iowa has a lot of really strong offensive linemen in the room, so there wasn't really a huge need for the offensive line this class. But I think you look at when Barnett took over the job, that these were two guys that he had really looked at at other places. And, you know, these yep. are two guys that want to be Hawkeyes too. Like you mentioned before, Dotsler. I know I know it's a cliche when we talk about guys that want to be Hawkeyes, but, you know, these are two guys that really wanted to play in the program are going to give you, you know, everything you want and everything you need, you know, to be successful. And they're going to do what it takes. And, you know, who knows how long it'll take, but – you know, there are two guys with a lot of lot of intriguing skill sets that, you know, can can make something happen, I think. Low maintenance guys who grow up fans of the program do very well at Iowa. That just history shows. And I think when you talk about those two, I think they kind of fit that mold. Uh Sean, let me pull this up real quick, then we'll put a wrap on this. Uh I've really liked this experiment tonight, actually. I think it's gone very well. Uh I think I kind of touched on this, Sean. Maybe we did a little bit, but I kind of want to dive into it just for a minute. Uh, Everybody, we had Austin ask, you know, uh, bad things, you know, post-Tailgater weekend in June versus signing day. It's crazy how fast momentum can change in college football. Major kudos to the Iowa staff for getting a top 25, which will probably end up being top 30, but Iowa's going to sign a couple more, so it could be a top 25 class. Uh, I I think he's exactly right. I think the best thing for Iowa was – Unlike the fan base, the co- the coaches didn't panic. They reevaluated everything. They looked at guys who had big senior seasons. I mean, Sean, if the entire class is signed by then, if they land their top targets, Iowa doesn't get Cohen Entringer, and I think he's going to end up being a, one of the better prospects in this 2022 class. And I think it's always important to save a couple spots for later on uh, in the recruiting process because you are going to get those guys that sort of emerge and. Again, I think when you look at Tyler Barnes and his track record and Iowa's track record, even if Iowa misses on top targets in the summer, you got to let them do their job because it's, it's, it's going to pay off. And I think nobody would have guessed this class would be as ranked as high as it is now a few months ago. But it goes back to sort of stay calm. There's people in place that know what they're doing, and they've proven it time and time again. Yeah, I know. Let's. I want to go back to Jacob Bostic too, wide receiver. Before. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I want to touch on this first too. And you know, I know Tyler Barnes's comment about you know 
thankfully our fans don't, you know, you know, live and die by one game or like our recruits don't live and die by one game as opposed like to some fans. of the fans. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I know that ruffled a lot of feathers, but I mean, it's true in a way, you know what I'm saying? And I know, you know, I've been a fan of teams before. I mean, I'm a diehard White Sox fan. Obviously it's different because, you know, there's 162 games in a season. I'm a Bears fan. You guys, you guys probably know how insufferable my life is in that aspect, but <laughs> you know, I, at this season, I haven't really cared as much, but, um, it's you know it's just they they follow the team they follow it closely obviously winning helps but you know they're thinking long term in these situations Xavier Wonka I went to go see him at Southeast Polk um the a few days before the state semifinal game and Iowa was coming off the loss to Wisconsin I or they were coming yeah coming off the loss to Wisconsin Purdue the bye week and they were going into whatever game was next. I, I don't know why I can't remember. And you know, a it's lot of people were freaking out. Yeah, a lot of people were freaking out. Why? 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 Like Wampa? Like I was going to lose Wampa now. Like there's no way. Like this team is screwed. Like this recruiting class is screwed. I knew. I knew what Xavier's response was going to be, and it was so on brand for him. It was. Yeah, I mean, it, you know, you like to see people. You like to see your teams win, and obviously that helps, but. You know, I'm not on the team right now. Obviously, I want to see them have success, but, you know, I'm not on the team right now. I'm more focused on, like, you know, what I could do long term. I mean, I want to see them win, but, you know, I'm not really focused on that, like, right now. And it's like, yes, like, that is the type of answer people need. And I know a lot of people were up in arms being like, oh, he's not going to teleport to that. But, you know, it's true. Like, one or two games is not going to decide if a recruit chooses your school or not. You know, it's such a played out narrative. Like people don't understand what it's like to go through the recruiting process. Obviously we don't either, but like we've dealt with enough recruits to like, we know what they're going to be thinking. We know that it goes a lot deeper than wins and losses. Yes, it plays a factor, but if you live and die by wins or losses, I mean, there'd be no such thing as a turnaround for a school. Coaching staffs. I will say that the stability of the Iowa coaching staff is the most, one of the more important factors. And obviously, you know, producing guys and developing guys, putting them in the NFL, all that, all that jazz is phenomenal too, but the stability of the coaching staff is what matters the most. Yep. And, you know, that's been a huge thing in this cycle especially. I've talked to so many guys that have said, in 2023 class as well, the stability of the coaching staff. And especially after this last, you know, this last coaching carousel, this stability of the Iowa staff is so important. And, you know, a lot of schools are, you know, negatively recruiting against Iowa with that, but, you know, Iowa – does what it needs to do and you know sticks true to who it is and you know the coaches are all you know all bought in all in and you know they the recruits see that from the outside and that's what they pay more attention to than wins and losses obviously you know three and nine is not going to be a huge help but when you're nine there's not a huge difference between ten and two nine and three and eight and four to some recruits yep and, i agree with you 100 you know i'd say most not some recruits i'd say most recruits and you know Obviously, I know it's hard for fans to wrap their head around that, but it's so it's so true. Like it's so valid. Trust me. Just trust me when I'm saying that, because it is very true. No doubt. Uh, let's go back, to Jacob Bostic. I want to make sure we hit on. We make sure we evaluate him. Uh, very. I mean, again, wide receiver is not a huge position need, but I think Sean, when you look at some of the wide receiver attrition, I'm very curious if Iowa is going to pursue them either via transfer portal or if they're going to pursue them. Um, you know, in the uh, 
just in, in terms of high schools, I think that they're probably going to need to take at least one more, it, whether it be transfer portal or vice versa, unless they're going to take a huge 2023 recruiting class, but I still think they're going to need to take one. But Bostic, I thought, was a very nice get. I think he needs him, you know, obviously I think he needs to bulk up a little bit. But you talk about a guy who turns 50-50 balls into 65-35, 70-30, et cetera. Good route runner. I think he's got reliable hands. And I think when you you get to know his personality a little bit, I, I think that he's going to transition very easily and very well into Iowa's room. And I'm very intrigued, especially, you know, if he can obviously stay healthy. He, he got a season cut short uh, due to injury. But this is a guy who I don't think is an immediate impact guy, but I also don't think they need him to be an immediate impact guy. And I think he's a guy that can make a difference down the road for sure. Yeah, he's a very good outside receiver. And you mentioned the 50-50 balls. The catch that he made in the last game of his high school career was kind of tells you what you need what you need to know about Jacob. And obviously, you know, we talk about his size, we talk about his frame, but you know, you gotta remember he's a really good track runner as well. I believe his dad is a track coach uh to some degree. And, you know, obviously Jacob was brought up in that and isn't it early enrolling because he wants to run track. And, you know, we talk about the track guys all the time and how those usually translate well. And this is a guy right here that, you know, obviously is more of a straight line runner, I would say at this point. But, you know, he's shown a little bit better movement with, you know, routes and, you know, cuts and, you know, all that sort of jazz and, you know, the route tree and everything. So it'll be it'll be interesting um, to see how he kind of develops. I think he's a really good long term guy for Iowa. You know, not like you said, not necessarily an instant impact guy, but, you know, you don't really need that right now in this 2022 class. You know, 2023 it might be a little different. I I kind of see from how, you know, those offers are coming out that obviously, you know, Kyler Casper's got the top of the board. He'd be a total difference maker in Iowa's system with his ability. Yep. But not, you know, no Jake, no doubt. No, yeah, I think he's J- arguably top target with along with Kane Proctor, top two in the class easily. Yeah. And Jacob's a guy who I think needs maybe some more molding, but I think there's a lot to work with and a lot that you know, can be developed in due time because I think he'd be a really reliable outside receiver eventually. I do too. And that's that's where I think the bell could get interesting because I'm also curious, you know, how Brody Brecht fits in this situation as well because are they going to keep Keegan out there or are they going to move Keegan around? Because I think Keegan has a chance to be a very good, you know, outside ex receiver, but he's a guy who I really think, I don't think he's a slot guy. I don't think you play him there. I think, you know, maybe you play him in a Mir Smith, Marset type of role. I think he'd really shine there. Um, so if that goes down, then if Brody Breck continues to develop and Jacob Bostic continues to develop, then you're looking at a very different battle with the X receiver. But then let's say just for, just for fun, right? Iowa does end up landing Kyler Casper. Then you have a really, really intriguing battle at that X position, because I think Kyler, the second gets on campus, he can play. And he's just, he's that talented. He's got the size, he's got the strength, he's got the hands. I mean, I think he's arguably the best receiver in Arizona, certainly, I think, as the case for the West Coast, I think he's going to continue to sort of improve upon that. But it, it, it'll be interesting uh, for sure. But, Sean, I want to make sure we hit a couple of these questions and make sure that we chucked all the boxes and we can wrap things up here. Uh, Aaron played defensive tackle or defensive end. Sean says defensive tackle. I said defensive end, but I really like him at tackle too. Put him on the field. I don't think you can go wrong. Mm-hmm. Uh under the radar recruit, you think can make an instant impact and has the highest ceiling. Hmm. Who are you taking, Sean? Instant impact, highest ceiling recruit, instant impact. That's tough. Obviously, the easy answer is going to be Wampa, and 
you know, Caleb Johnson, those are two guys I put down for the superlatives. Yeah. I don't know. That's a really good question. You know, I, I, I like Caden Crawford a lot, like I've yeah. said before. I don't know if he's an instant impact guy, but I think a year or two could eventually be, you know, interesting. I I don't want to say highest ceiling because I don't really know how you measure ceiling with kickers, but Drew Stevens is was a really big addition, really big addition. Huge. And if you're a VIP member at HawkeyeInsider.com, you know how big of an addition he was. A guy that a lot of schools wanted, but he wanted to walk on at Iowa you know, take his chances. I think he's a guy that can compete with Luke Samea and Aaron Blom in the uh, in the kicker room, like right away. Because Stevens is one of those rare early enrollees as a walk on, and you know that's going to give him an edge in some aspects. I still think he's got you know stuff to work on, but he's going to be a guy that's going to potentially see the field next year. As a, yeah, as a true freshman, one of the best kickers in the country for sure. I mean, the thing is, you talk about highest ceiling, you talk about under the radar. I mean. I don't think you can really throw Caleb Johnson as under the radar because he had a lot, had a good amount of power five offers. And, you know, you play football, you know, high school football in Ohio, you're six foot one, six foot two, 220. I think he's going to compete. It's, you know, I think he's going to compete next year for snaps, especially with Tyler Goodson gone, uh, because I think he's a perfect fit for Iowa system, but it'll be, it'll be interesting. I mean, I'll tell you, I'm going to go with Cohen. I, I, again, I, I know Cohen, you could argue, is not really under the radar because he's been such a high riser, but that's a guy who earned all of his offers in the last six weeks or so. That's a guy who's played one year of football on the defensive side. I really like him. Uh, I, I think he just got high upside. I mean, I think TJ Hall is another guy. I mean, I, again, I think it's one of Iowa's best on paper, obviously, secondary classes that they've put together. Um, high ceiling, I, I mean, I hate – Use be cliche, Sean, but I think it has to be Wampa. Just, just you know, I think he's the most polished high school player that Phil Parker's ever coached. Uh, so it, again, and you look at Iowa's potential attrition uh, in the secondary as well. But uh, Sean, you got other final tidbits? I know we've been going here for a while, but appreciate everybody tuning in. I think this is going really, really well, and I think Sean and I continue to try to do some different things in the future to uh, continue to get you guys more involved. Yeah. Um, I want to touch on the walk-on class really quickly. Uh, there was a big addition today, Kyson Van Butt. I think that's how you say his name. I've uh, out a whole Western Christian who was actually committed to South Dakota as a tight end or a defensive end, excuse me. Um, Iowa offered preferred walk-on, you know, he visited a couple times and, you know, thought he was going to stick to South Dakota. But after that, after that Penn State game really started to favor Iowa a bit and is going to go to Iowa as a tight end. Really intriguing piece that I think could be, you know, a potential guy, maybe even turn into an offensive tackle at some point, given that he's 6'6", six, 6'7". Six, six, but, you know, a lot lot to work with. We touched on Stevens, um, Will Hubert out of uh, Nebraska. Yeah. Kid's just, kid's just a production machine. Um, I think he had 29 tackles for losses a senior, 12.5 yep. sacks, forced fumble, 74 total tackles, physical player. Same thing with Luke Gaffney out of Lynn Marr, 17 tackles for a loss. I saw him play a number of times, and, yeah, he's a, he's a beast. I'll put it that way. He wrestler, you know, really physical kid. Kind of reminds me of Aaron Graves a bit. Um, I don't know if he – I don't think he's as talented as Graves and as gifted as Graves, but I think Gaffney brings a lot to the table as well that, you know, could make could make things interesting long-term. Same thing with Hubert. Um, Graham Fredrickson out of Urbandale. Uh, Urbandale receivers usually – Usually trend pretty well. Um, Kai Black being one of them in the junior class, and then 
Obviously, Alan Lazard, not going to say he's going to be Alan Lazard, but, you know, a number of, school, number of schools shown interest. Indignola duo, uh, defensive back Carter Erickson, and then uh, Kale Kolarik, two guys that are going to be defensive backs. Kolarik was really productive on offense as a running back mainly, while Erickson was more of a wide receiver. Both played a lot on defense as well. I think Erickson had like four touchdowns or something like that, and two that were taken back to the end zone for touchdowns. And uh, Kolarik had three interceptions as well as defense. Both guys are starting um, at defensive back for Iowa. I think one of the bigger gets in this cycle, too, was Dominic Wiseman of uh, Davenport yes. North. Yeah, I'm happy at, you brought that up. Yeah, at first, it looked like he was going to go the full ride scholarship route. He had offers from FCS programs like South Dakota, Indiana State, Eastern Illinois. Uh, Northern Illinois was really close to offering, as you as you know, Dave. That's kind of, you know, I don't want to say the the pinnacle of um, of G5 programs, but I would say, you know, it's a pretty good it's a pretty good offer. Um, they had a hell of a turnaround this year. Yeah, it's a pretty good offer. And he had 30.5 tackles for a loss as a senior in the 5A level and is also a really good offensive lineman. So, you know, he I think the knock on him might be size, but I think what he brings to the table from a, you know, motor standpoint and, you know, just being, you know, he's really athletic. He's got legs like the size of tree trunks, and he's a really good walk-on get. He's a three-star guy. I think Van Futt and um, Hubert and Wiseman are all three-star guys in 24-7 sports. And Andrew Krause as well. It comes from the same high school as uh, Lucas Van Ness in Barrington, Illinois. Also had preferred walk-on opportunities from Illinois and Minnesota. Um, and, you know, he's a guy, high upside guy as well. I believe he plays lacrosse as well. Uh, haven't really gotten to his senior stats. Looked at his highlights a little bit the other day. But, you know, I think the size kind of tells you all six foot five, two hundred twenty pounds. Probably was impacted by COVID a little bit with his recruitment, but you know we'll see we'll see what happens there. It's a it's a really good walk on class for sure. And you know I mentioned Stevens earlier. Um, there's a lot of guys that you know may not be immediate contributors, but could make things interesting as we've seen with this Iowa team now. I mean, you talk about Jack Kerner, Monty Potabom, um, you know started out as a walk on uh, Kerner as well. Um, you know a bunch of other guys that I'm missing. You know, the Kyler shot. You get you guys know what I'm talking about. So Nick DeYoung. Nick DeYoung, yeah. Um, you know, there's there's guys that, you know, and we've seen it so many times with Iowa in the past. And this might be one of the more impressive walk on classes too for Iowa, especially with those three guys at the top, Wiseman Van Butt and uh Hubert, all three star guys who, you know, could have gone FCS routes. I mean, you know, Hubert had Ivy League offers, and I think he had a couple Mac offers as well, you know. Kyson had a really good offers from FCS ranks like you know those those are no joke and this was the type of year where you're going to land those bigger walk-on classes because you know FBS classes are filling up they have limited spots and you know there are going to be FCS programs that are going to be able to take guys that might be FBS in other years that you know those FBS schools can't really offer and you know to sure. get these guys as walk-ons to have to pay their way and you know nothing being guaranteed obviously nothing's guaranteed if you're a scholarship guy but if you're a walk-on, like it's a total, it's it's a different. You know, a lot of people say with Iowa, it's not, you know, different. But you know, you you have to earn your respect, and you have to do it when you're a starter. But you know, walk-ons always just seem to have a chip on their shoulder. And you know, to go to a school like Iowa as a walk-on when you had scholarship offers elsewhere, other places, kind of says a lot about you know what mentality you have. I think something else too, Sean, when you talk about the walk-on class, what Iowa does very well and why I think they have a higher percentage of walk-ons that actually end up really contributing and earning scholarships is 
Iowa takes so much pride in their walk-on program that they aren't just looking for culture fits as scholarship guys. They're looking for culture fits as walk-on guys. And I mm-hmm. think that goes a long way into having a healthy locker room, a healthy team. And I think that's why you see so many of those guys end up, you know, becoming team captains. Why these guys end up being just talked about within the program so highly. I, I think that that really does play a part is Iowa does such a good job evaluating that they are going to evaluate walk-on guys. And I bet there's been very talented players that they've wanted to have walk-on in the past that they didn't see as a culture fit, so they didn't offer it. And I think that that goes a long way. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, I I don't have anything else. I'm, I appreciate I'm you, buddy. Out. Yeah, thank yeah, you guys care, for all man. listening. See ya.